and that the people would have a way of retrieving him out from the Shekinah glory of God, pulling his body out with the rope from his ankle. But it's a myth. But it's a myth that got started out of the concern, what do we do if he dies behind the veil? It's always a concern in the people's mind in the Old Testament. But we don't have any such worries. Our Lord Jesus cannot die. He lives in the power of an endless life. And there are things that cannot touch our Lord Jesus in glory. Death, Satan, and sin. None of them can touch him right there. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gollaher. Today we're looking at Hebrews chapter 7, and the title of our sermon is Saved to the Uttermost. If you had been a New Testament Christian in the first century, and if you had been a convert from Judaism, this book of Hebrews would have been just for you. The thrust of the message and the thrust of the whole book is Christ fulfills Old Testament Levitical ceremonies. You don't need these washings and ceremonies, more sacrifices, more priests, more typology, because the types are fulfilled. The Lord Jesus has personally fulfilled them in his life, death, resurrection, and now, of course, his ascension into glory. Stay tuned with us today as we bring this message from the pulpit of our church on the high priest, on saved to the uttermost. Now, also today, we have our excerpt on euthanasia, the death culture in Canada, and, of course, this ongoing pressure to provide services of the right to die, medical intervention, that people might choose death rather than life. Now, there are all kinds of scenarios, all kinds of circumstances that are really uh, so dangerous in this, and we tremble. We tremble for the direction that this country is taking on the subject of euthanasia uh, in the medical world, as well as on the streets where the death culture seems to reign. But firstly, let's go to Hebrews 7, saved to the uttermost. We're back to Hebrews 7 again, and I think everyone here today will agree that we all live in a world of change. Without change, there could be no progress, and without change, there could be no future. Changes uh, then are always uh, measured by contrasts, what it was like then, what it's like now, what it's like now, and what it's going to be like in the future. When Donald Trump won the presidency of the United States, he promised that he would introduce major changes. All of his campaigning was about the things that he would do, the things that he would change. He would build a wall. He would make America great again. He would make America safer. 
he would change his foreign policy around the world and expect other nations to step up and do more. Illegal immigrants, they would no longer be welcome within the country. So there are going to be changes and contrasts. The book of Hebrews is all about change, and it is about contrasts. Now, what changes is this Levitical priesthood, this way of worshiping God by these visible things, sacrifices, animals, blood, the ministry of priests in their white garments, the visible temple, and all of those things. And of course, the art of teaching, by contrast, is to ensure that people understand the old system before you can appreciate the change to the new. Now, the Hebrews, and this letter is written to the Hebrews, they had the big advantage because that was their culture, that was their religion. They understood everything Levitical. They observed these things for themselves. But it took a lot of convincing to convince Israelites who had made a profession of Christ, who had considered him as the Savior, that they were to cease from those Levitical ways and change to the new, the new which was so invisible that was not daily observing new sacrifices, more priests, in the same building, doing the daily routine, but rather meeting with Christians who walk by faith and not by sight. And first of all, they had to be convinced that change was right and that it was good. And for this, we have to see that Paul is convincing them the writer of the book of Hebrews, if it was Paul, that he is convincing them that Jesus' ministry is better. Look at chapter 7, verse 12. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. The other key word with change that stands out in this chapter and in the whole book is the word better. If you go down to verse 22, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Now, that word better comes up in the book of Hebrews 13 times, an average of one per chapter. 13 times the word better appears. And of course, the emphasis is the contrast that Jesus, his ministry as our high priest, his sacrifice as our atoning redeemer is better and therefore to be believed and trusted in. Today, we're going to come to verses 25 to 28, and we're going to look at these contrasts we're going to look at why Jesus' ministry is better. If you 
follow me here in these four points. Now, I'll give you the four points, and hopefully we will work our way through them here today. His priesthood is unchangeable to save us. Uh, look at verse 25. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost. And I love that word. Dare I say, I utterly love that word, uttermost. And I want to preach that today. The second point is, his position is untouchable to represent us. He is passed into the heavens. Thirdly, his sacrifice is unrepeatable to redeem us. He died once. And what a contrast that is to the Levitical ways. And then finally, his nature is undefilable to perfect us. Um, right down in verse 28, it says, For the law which maketh men high priests, which have infirmity. Those priests were but men, and subject to all the passions of men, and therefore limited. But Jesus, in him there was no sin. He was the undefiled. So, back up to number one now. His priesthood is unchangeable to save us. Look at verse 24. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. See how his unchangeable office is linked in verse 25 to his ability to save. Do you get it? It's simple. It's glaring at us. Because his office cannot change, needs no change, his power to save, he saves to the uttermost, which means to the end, on and on. And what he has begun in you as a Christian, the work of grace in your heart, the work of mercy on your soul, he is able to save to the end and carry that work through to its end. We love to use, say it this way, that our Lord saves us from the guttermost to the uttermost. And however sinful we might be in this world, when your faith and trust is in the saving work of Jesus, he can take you from your rottenness to his redeeming heights of glory. And if you're trusting him today, he is able to save your soul. Now, talk about change. Talk about change. Talk about contrast. The emphasis here in this passage is that in the Old Testament, Levitical priests, many as there were, they all died. They were all subject to death. And therefore, there is a long, long line of succession in those high priests. They, verse 23 says, And they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Death ended their ministry. Our Lord Jesus died too. But guess what? He conquered death. He triumphed over death. He is alive. He appeared for 40 days 
in a new body. He's glorified, and now he's passed into the heavens, and he will die no more. He cannot die. Indeed, man could not hold him under the power of death. He broke and burst forth out of that tomb. Now, in this world, in all professions, men die. Now, I must say it shakes my confidence greatly when I visit doctors' offices and I hear about doctors who also die. These men who give all of their lives to the healing and the art of, of bettering people in health, and yet they too become subject to death. I remember having an appointment with a doctor, and when I sat in the waiting room for a while waiting to go in, I was absolutely shocked when in he came in a wheelchair. In a wheelchair. He's the one that's going to make me better, and he's in a wheelchair. And of course, men are subject to death. And then I've got more bad news for you. Pastors and preachers die too. I stood at the graveside of Jonathan Edwards when I visited Princeton Seminary, and in that town is the graveyard where Jonathan Edwards is buried. America's greatest theologian and preacher. And you may know the story how he got inoculated against smallpox, and it actually killed him, cut his life short instead of extending it. And there he is, his body's in the grave, subject to death. It is an amazing, wonderful thing to be able to announce that our great high priest ministers in the power of an endless life, subject to no change, no successor is needed, he is there passed into the glory for us. And the argument of the passage to cut through all that the apostle is saying, he is able to save to the uttermost. Now, I don't want to be like Don Gossett, so I will say, say that 11 times. Say it 11 times. He is able to save me to the uttermost. That is the wonder of the power of the Lord Jesus. Now, his position is also untouchable. It says there in verse 26, For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Now, how can you get higher than the heavens? Well, I think that he may be speaking of what we call the clouds all around the globe of the earth. He is beyond earthly reach. He is in that other world, which we call the eternal heavens. And Jesus is not just risen out of the grave, he's ascended, and he is in glory at the right hand of God. Now, the New Testament Scriptures are absolutely clear on that fact. His heavenly work has begun at the Father's right hand, and he is untouchable, untouchable. He bears our names in his hands. That makes us visible. And we are given the picture, because Jesus has a real body in heaven, 
Other things in heaven, uh, they are invisible, many of them. Angels, our spirits have no bodies. They are invisible. God the Father has no body. God the Spirit has no body. But Jesus has a body. He is a body like our bodies. And Isaiah tells us that our names are engraved in the palms of his hands. We can take that literally. We can take that when he's pleading with the Father, he holds out our needs and our interests before God. And he's untouchable, totally secure, and focused in his work to intercede. Down here in this world, we become worry warts because we are touched by many things. Famines, wars, rumors of wars, family feuds, financial crises. Many things come into our lives, and we think it's all over. It's all shaken. But Jesus is untouchable touchable. He cannot be moved, and his ministry is absolutely certain. We're told that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Nothing shall interrupt his work. And of course, the big thing is that he will never die. He will never die. He is beyond death. That is the clear warning that is given. Now, contrast. In the Old Testament, the high priest who did not do his work died. The high priest who did not make the right appearance in God's presence with the right sacrifice, the right blood, died. Indeed, there is a myth in Judaism, and you can Google this and search it sometime, that there was a rope that was tied around the ankle of the high priest, lest when he goes through that veil, he is imperfect and dies, and that the people would have a way of retrieving him out from the Shekinah glory of God, pulling his body out with the rope from his ankle. But it's a myth. But it's a myth that got started out of the concern, what do we do? If he dies behind the veil, it's always a concern in the people's mind in the Old Testament. But we don't have any such worries. Our Lord Jesus cannot die. He lives in the power of an endless life. And there are things that cannot touch our Lord Jesus in glory. Death, Satan, and sin. None of them can touch him right there. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us again as we bring the message of God's Word. Today in our segment on righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, we want to look at the right to die. Canada is facing a culture of death. From opioid overdoses to people that die at their own hands or call on doctors for medically assisted suicide, Never before has life been so devalued and so cheapened. As a gospel minister with the Word of God as my guide, I am called on to answer the question, what is wrong with our society? But when we realize that culture and society is made up of the thinking and behavior of individuals, the real question is, what is wrong with the human heart? 
This hit home to me recently after a late-night hospital visit to a terminally ill patient at his family request. When I found the ward where he had been admitted and introduced myself, I was immediately asked to leave, not by hospital staff, but by the patient. He had no interest in me reading the Bible with him, nor in prayer for his soul. With a heavy heart, I had to leave. To add to the darkness of the scene, I learned just days later that he had been euthanized. A social worker from Fraser Valley Health came around to his bed and offered him the possibility of medically assisted suicide. He chose to have it, and at his own request, a medical professional came to his bedside and administered a deathly drug to end his life. As to his soul, we can only tremble. Does God give us the right to take our own lives? This will be answered very differently whether you believe you are created by God or that you are the product of evolution. If you believe in evolution, you believe that you are here in the world by the workings of blind chance. And if you believe that you are the product of chance, you may well adhere to the notion that no laws govern your existence, nor your behavior, and there is no one to hold you accountable. You then feel free to do with your own body as you please. You will also believe that you have no soul, and you will be annihilated after death. With that kind of thinking, you will most likely seek the pragmatic answers to suffering and pain. You will seek the easiest option possible, with no thought of life after death, even though you have no assurance that you will be better off after your life is ended. The attitude will be, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. To you, life is cheap, expendable, and a mere extension of the disposable society where we just throw away our trash by such things. On the other hand, if you believe that you have been created by an all-powerful designer and life-giver, and that you are a creature of his making for his glory, then your attitude will be very different. You will see that you are special and have eternal value, and then you will accept your creator has the sole right to rule over you, to give you life here in this world and in the world to come which makes you of eternal value. You will accept that God created you with your gifts and your talents for a special purpose, and that each day He gives you life, you are called to live for His glory. Then also, if you believe that you are made in God's image, a reflection of the upright and moral character of God, who has given you intelligence to know right from wrong, you will understand the operation of your conscience, that inner judge of all that you do, think, or say. Then you recognize that you are a moral being, with eternal value, with a soul that will never die. To go one step further, the redeemed Christian knows that he is not his or her own, but is bought by the blood of Christ. Our bodies belong to the Lord. We are his property, not our own. It is the Lord who gives us life, and he alone has the right to take it again, as Job testified over the death of his children. We read in Job one twenty one, and Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, 
and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the conviction of all who love the God of the Bible and follow the Lord's word. Human life that is divinely created is of eternal value, and being made in God's image, we take the command of God seriously. Thou shalt not kill. Sadly, we now have doctors of death in Canada who ply a trade to put patients to death. Now that legislators have made it legal to do so, it hasn't taken long for suggestions to follow that it is the legal right of all citizens, notwithstanding age or circumstances, to choose death over life. The clear line that life is sacred has been crossed. Life is made cheap, and now the discussion begins on the practice of euthanasia that it can cut costs to elder care in Canada. With staff shortages and money shortages, the obvious answer is already in the minds of too many in the business of administering health care to seniors. And that is the cause of a great deal of fear to all who enter high-level care or are admitted to hospices. Reports of these fears and concerns are showing up on our daily newspapers. Rod Taylor, leader of the Christian Heritage Party, pointed out almost two years ago, when Hitler began purging from German society those whose lives he described as not worth living, he was allowed to do so by a complacent public. He began with the feeble and the mentally challenged. Those who were not feeble and those who were not mentally challenged allowed him to proceed. By the time he himself committed suicide, surrounded by Russian troops in his bomb-shattered Berlin, his final solution had extended to Jews, Poles, and other groups, and had engulfed the war in a war that cost over 60 million lives. The excuses and denials of his early purges had given way to flagrant killing of innocents, and his culture of death had swallowed up his promises of making Germany great again. Being there, done that, are we so blind that we would willingly repeat the mistakes of the past? I end the quote by Rod Taylor, leader of the Christian Heritage Party, who pointed this out in a communique almost two years ago. While governments attempt to build in some safeguards to the system, such as insisting that two doctors sign off on the procedures to euthanize, we know human nature is ever inclined to beat the system or go beyond the ethically blurred lines to practice what is economical or convenient. When a society denies God, claims to be bound by no higher power or code of ethics, it can only spiral downward to cheapen life even further. As the Bible would put it, when the fool hath said in his heart there is no God, then the same fool will do foolishly, whether in the employment of government agencies or the business of elder care. Then we face a culture of death. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.